What's up everyone? Welcome back to Off The Chain, the backbone for storytelling across builders, creators, and collectors within Web3. Each episode, we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity. Today, we've got Jess Sloss, the chief instigator of Seed Club. Seed Club is a DAO that builds, supports, and invests in tokenized communities, while also providing mentorship, thought leadership, and programming to help communities bring the future value of their collaboration, creativity, and connection into the present and turn their social capital into digital assets. For anyone looking to dive into the world of DAOs, this is for you. Jess, what's going on, man? Nice to meet you. We're live, baby. Let's do it. Stoked to be here. We're live, man. We're live. Where are you calling in from? I'm in a small town just outside of Vancouver in Canada. So trees and plugging into the metaverse. That's my life. I love it. You know, it's funny. I've been speaking to a few friends and I've been asking for feedback on these podcasts. And they're like, dude, you're fucking killing it. It's great. Maybe you could do like a little small talk at the start though. Because usually I just come in hot with the questions. So... I'm going to come up with like a few questions here that slowly get us into it. Number one was where are you coming from? Another question is, did you come from like a tech background? Were your, was your family into computers growing up? Like how did, mm. how did your childhood shape where you are today? Yeah, I mean my, my old man was a horticulturalist, but he also had ran his own business. So I mean I remember having computers back in the – I mean, late 80s, early 90s. So we always had one around. Um, and yeah, I was infatuated with the internet early on. And so yeah, he's definitely not in, in tech, but just, you know, a lifelong learner, self-taught. So uh, getting plugged into the internet early was just this huge game changer for me. And now I spend most of my life on it. Love it. That's, that's the only small talk I'm going to do. So I hope everyone who's listening is very happy. Now we are going to dive into Feel the it. rapport. Do you feel the about... rapport? It's incredible here. Just well, that question really connects. Just so everybody us. knows, we had about five to 10 minutes of conversation before. <laughs> so we already did our small talk offline. We're here to educate people. We're here to teach people. We're here today to talk about Seed Club. We're here to talk about DAOs. So before I even go into a few of my questions, let's start off with the basics. Tell us who we've got here today. Yeah, I mean, great to be here, man. Um, so my name's Jess, and I'm the co-creator of Seed Club. Seed Club is the leading network for DAO builders and operators. Uh, we run an accelerator program a couple times a year that people often call the uh, Y Combinator for, for Web3, which I think is just a very generous description. I think if we can have that sort of impact on the world, I'll be very excited. Uh, we're structured as a DAO, which means that we have tokens and a governance process, and uh, we have the club token as sort of the, the incentive mechanism that aligns all the action that happens within the C-Club network and within the accelerator. So uh, I think maybe the, the biggest difference between how we run our accelerator versus more traditional accelerators is we don't actually make an investment of capital, but people plug into our network. They join our network if they're chosen. They uh, make a contribution of their their token. So 3% of their tokens are contributed to the C Club DAO. And then once they successfully launch their token, they get uh, a grant of club tokens, which gives them governance power within the C Club network as well. So. Our vision is to sort of build this network of networks, bringing great people and great projects together and, uh, you know, helping them grow and accelerate and hopefully define, you know, leading organizations in this weird, wild world of, of internet native entities. You know, this term DAO, it's, it's been around for 
quite some time, but it's really heated up over the past two years, DAO being a decentralized autonomous organization. And, you know, there's a lot of differences between a DAO and a standard hierarchical organization. And, you know, something that was interesting, and either I read this that you wrote or you said it somewhere, but something along the lines of people should be capturing profit, not platforms. Tokens are fucking awesome, and the first Uber drivers shouldn't still be driving for Uber. Can you educate us on what that means and how a DAO can solve for that? Yeah, I mean, I think this is like the the core premise of Web3 or of crypto generally. Like we have, you know, the, the proliferation of networks in our economy is very obvious. Um, and the, the value that gets created in these networks is often, often created by people or entities that are plugging in. So you think about Uber, the early drivers, you think about Facebook and Instagram, the people creating content there. Uh, but in, in sort of the Web 2 or traditional world, the ownership structures, these corporations, um, don't really allow for the, the distribution of ownership to the participants in those networks. And so I think like the, the big innovation with tokens is that we're able to represent ownership in networks with these digital assets. And so, you know, the, the, there's a great piece by Jesse Walden called the ownership economy that really sort of outlines that, uh, a strong thesis as to why I think it's valuable for users to be owners in the networks that they, uh, that they participate in and create value in. And I think that's the, the big promise and opportunity uh, writ large in, in Web3. And I, I think DAOs are sort of like the, the term or the, the, the organizational structure that helps govern and make decisions within these, these networks. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a broad term that is used to mean many different things right now. And I expect that that will continue for some time, but that we'll see a lot more, you know, daylight in between the different types that exist. I think Bitcoin is probably the best example of a DAO. There's, you know, massive coordination with not with with zero hierarchy that exists there. I think more of the more recent DAOs um, are sort of playing around with, you know, how do you actually get people to come in and create value together, and and how do you actually coordinate that value and actually execute on things. And it looks, um, you know, still with a smart contract base, but has a lot more sort of social capital and coordination that exists in there. And so, I think there's, you know, the, the decentralized autonomous organization looking at those individual terms that make up that acronym um, might not be as, as fair uh, to, to, to use to describe many of the organizations that exist out there. Uh, but I think this sort of ownership and network and uh, you know coordination around the management and growth of that network is, is really where DAOs come in and expect to see a lot more nuanced takes on, on the various types of organizations that will emerge as this opportunity continues to grow. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because decentralized autonomous those are not just yes or no's in a sense those are a sliding scale and so you know if you're going to start a DAO, it's not just DAO. yes it's what level you know how many of the tokens go to the core contributors how many of the decisions get to be made by the core three people who started it and so i think that's also something that's very well is when we start talking more about DAOs, it doesn't have to be this crazy all or nothing. There can be different levels to how decentralized and how autonomous you want to get. And the reality is right now, there is not that much autonomy. A lot of the autonomy is coming from a lot of the tools that Web2 companies are using. Yeah, and I think like the the idea of just going from zero to, to completely decentralized and the, the furthest definition of that term, I think is is challenging and, and really not the reality of how any pro new projects are, are built. Um, but I think it is interesting to think about where, like what is the important part of that? And, and in, in our world, that's like that 
you know, the, the these organizations, these entities that are being built are on chain and owned by and governed by token holders. And, and, and that is different than standing up a corporation and, and having a separate equity structure from from uh, a token model. Um, and then, you know, so so that is sort of the decentralization, right? There's many members that hold tokens, and those folks all have some say in how these uh, resources or, or actions are, are undertaken or, or, or dispersed. Um, and then I think the autonomous part is, you know, if you look at Bitcoin, it feels very much like a vending machine that just keeps working, even though there's a lot of individuals that are investing capital and managing things, et cetera, that are there. Uh, I think in, in the more recent definition of, of DAOs, I think there's more autonomousness in the types of work and how people participate. And so there's trying to create, I think it looks much more like a self-managed team or organization than it looks like uh, purely a vending machine. But I think most of the most exciting projects that we work with, and I think even uh, hopefully will be true of C-Club itself, is that we move from sort of that small D decentralized, um, small A autonomous to being able to embed many more of the processes and structures on chain so that there is a higher degree of trust, there's uh, more social scalability, you can actually have a much wider group of people participating in these organizations and thus hopefully create a lot more value. So there's this narrative that I see taking place right now that sort of moves from social wear, which is I think like the the stage that many early stage DAOs are in, to trust wear, which is where many of the sort of uh, the risks or the, the ways decisions are made or how capital is distributed is actually embedded on chain. And so that's on chain governance and or maybe like a more diverse multi-sig and then ultimately to hyperstructures, which is this more, you know, vending machine like smart contract that's ultimately, you know, coordinating value that's created and dispersing value that gets created there. So I think it, it is very much, you know, the, the, the best critiques of DAOs are trying to look at where organizations are and where they want to be and saying, well, they're not, they're not where they want to be. And therefore the, the, these things aren't working. But I think if you look under the hood, you'll see so many brilliant people that are really trying to figure out how to build the train tracks in front of the train and in the pursuit of a, a far more scalable, um, you know, yeah, bigger opportunity that I think these, these ultimate networks can represent. Yeah. And what's very clear is how multifaceted all of this is. And that's where you've got someone like Jess and you've got uh, a DAO like Seed Club come into play. And I think that's a great transition for us is, can you tell us what is Seed Club? What's the elevator pitch to get us all up to speed in case we don't actually know? So I, I love this because like the, the thing that I struggle with on a daily basis is to accurately or, or completely describe what Seed Club is. And um so you know, I can give you. Well, give that, your that, that's why right? that's why I have you on right now, so I can figure out what the hell Seed Club is. Yeah, so I think you know, Seed Club is is a, a DAO that helps bring new internet native organizations into the world, um, and we do that through our accelerator program, which is like the main engine of value creation within Seed Club. We, you know, we curate. We have just closed applications for our, our fifth cohort. We had over 200 applicants. We'll work with less than 20. So it's a, the, the job of our community and our token holders is to help us choose the best projects and, and builders and, and initiatives to, to work with. And then we work with them over a three-month period and uh, support them beyond that. And our job really is to help them launch world-changing organizations. And we get to participate in the governance of those organizations through the token grant that they, they give us. And they then become members of C-Club, holding club tokens and you know, our, our biggest supporters of the next stage of companies that come through are our, our alumni and other folks who are, are members of the network. So we're building this learning network that has this aligned ownership through the, the club token. Um, but so, so when I think about like the pieces that make up C-Club, I think, you know, this resource creation, how are we actually creating value on chain and rewarding people with, with that value? So how can we grow our treasury? I think about membership. So it needs to mean something to be a part of C-Club. I want to see people putting C-Club in their bio. I want to 
to see the number of people who want to apply to the to our programs and because they see so much value of participating in it. Um, and of course, as they apply to our programs, they, they ultimately hold club tokens, which essentially sort of stake some tokens to be a member, which supports our underlying economic model. And then we put a lot of effort into building our distribution channel. So how, if somebody joins the C Club network, how do they have a bigger stage or larger platform and ability to do more, reach more, have more impact? And so we have a big media initiative that we're undertaking to, to really build that out. So those sort of three pillars of resources and membership and distribution, I think are like the main uh, strategic angles that we play on. And all of those sort of, I guess, at the core is the C Club network, where we have the club token that is the, the incentive mechanism that makes all those run well. Ideally. And so I've got a I've got a very layman's term question is what is the difference between owning the seed token or club token, I believe it's called, versus being part of the accelerator? Yeah, so the, the club token is like the um, the digital asset that lives at the club network or the C club network. And so we think of like the C club network as like the core of everything we do. And then um, the accelerator is sort of this engine that creates value and brings in new members and it kind of, uh, you know, it's it's a, a node in, in our network. And so members that participate in the accelerator ultimately get a grant of club tokens. And so they become owners or governors of the C club network. And so our job basically is to go out and, um, you know, we're essentially in, investing our time and energy and social capital and some club tokens in this new batch of projects that are that are joining us. And um, we sort of have, and, and because there's this token swap that happens in that accelerator, we're mutually aligned in creating value together, right? So C Club will continue to invest resources in their growth. And our expectation is members that come through the accelerator and ultimately like they, they can create value in C Club in two ways. One, they just build an incredible initiative and project and DAO that exists in the world and it, and it creates a ton of value and C Club has an ownership stake in that. And hopefully they also come back and participate in supporting the next wave of, of projects that come through. And so by holding onto that club token, we're able to say, hey, your effort that's going into any of these different buckets that support the C Club network, if we all do our jobs well, should be represented in, in the value of that club token in the future. And correct me if I'm wrong, but can one just buy club tokens and enter into the DAO? Yeah, so club tokens, there's a, a community pool that's been created on Uniswap. Um, so people can go in and purchase tokens and we have a, a minimum of, of 10 tokens uh, that need to be held to be a DAO member. It's the the a fairly low bar. Uh, being a DAO member allows you to participate in the selection of projects and also in our governance process and get access to some of like the, the more operations focused channels within C Club. Um, and so yes, membership exists there. Um, I think the we're we're very curated in who we work with at our absolute core, which is the accelerator. And so um, you know anybody can join and become a member of C Club, but you know a, a very small percentage of the projects that ultimately apply to C Club become a member of the C Club accelerator. And I think as we sort of expand, we'll, we'll continue to add new membership circles, if you will, that I think provide new value for folks that are maybe wanting to participate deeper or, or get more value from the community that we've built. Um, but we really had a focus on wanting to make sure that our accelerator node was rocking and rolling and that every single you know founder that comes and joins us in the accelerators get an exceptional value. And I think we've made great progress on that and uh, are excited to sort of expand the different ways people can participate in C Club in the coming months. You know, when you look at the groups that have emerged within Seed Club, there's a few. You've got collaborators, you've got teams, you've got team stewards, you've got working groups, you've got contributors, you've got community members, etc. Let's say 
I'm a expert marketer and I think that I could do a really great job of supporting the seed club accelerator cohort with my marketing efforts. How would I go about not only helping out the new cohort, but also getting paid by seed club? Yeah. So we, you know, one of the wonderful realizations we had early on in seed club is that for our core community, which is the builders of these projects, um, you know, exposing them to the full breadth of our network is actually maybe not the most useful thing, right? We want to make sure that they're getting the right insights at the right time rather than, um, yeah, you can imagine you're building an early stage project. There's some things maybe you don't want to be public about. And so the, the system we've set up essentially is that there's in our accelerator, there's two core constituents. One is the builders. These are the people who are leading projects and the other are collaborators. And these are the, the talent that exists within our network that has been vetted and been invited to participate in the earliest stages with with um, the, the builders in, in our in our cohort. And so right now, and I think maybe today or tomorrow, there'll be an announcement that goes out um, that's basically opening up opportunities for people to participate as a collaborator so they can apply to join. A small number will be selected. Again, we, we don't want to just expose these projects to the mass of humanity that can sort of exist on the internet. We want to make sure that they're getting vetted, high, high skilled, high talent, high, you know, values aligned individuals that are supporting these projects. Uh, and so there's a decision process that goes into that, but ultimately we have probably about a hundred people that are in that group. And for each cohort, we pull in the, the most values aligned or, or impactful folks uh, to support projects at the early stage. And I think the, the big opportunity for us is to say, okay, well, how do we actually build the structures to, um, to, to extend that, right? Cause there is, far more talented people in our network than, than do get a, an opportunity or have the bandwidth to participate in the high touch way that's required for this accelerator node to operate well. Uh, and I think that's like the exciting part for growth for us as we see just incredible talented human beings that we make, um, you know, can, can make, can expose to, to the early stage projects that come through C club. You know, we've worked with 65 projects so far. We'll probably have another 20 that we work with this fall. Um, we have a very active, uh, job board that our, our teams can sort of plug into and get access to the talent that's within the C club ecosystem. But I think there's more work and big opportunity for us to continue to extend that. I mean, for lack of a better word, maybe talent marketplace of, of really talented human beings that know how to DAO, uh, and, um, make those connections more seamless and, and impactful. Um, so right now, if you are talented, you would, you would see an application, you would join, or you'd be invited to join. And, and that's sort of like the, the baby steps we're taking to this broader talent marketplace. And I think that's an important thing, right? Where there's this general belief, I think that, that, you know, DAOs just need to be open and anybody can come in and participate. And, um, I think for a number of reasons, we see a lot of value in being really curated and thoughtful about how we're bringing people together to build you know, the network that is C club, especially at the early stages, uh, one, because it's the, the way that most builders want to build. They don't want to have an, uh, be inundated with information. They just want the right information Two, they, they may often don't want to build everything in public. And so there needs to be a safe space for them to explore this weird, wild stuff that, that, you know, is tokenization and distribution of ownership, et cetera. Um, and, um, and then three, I think like the, the, there is sort of a, um, an expectation that our builders have that they're joining a, a vetted high quality network of, of human beings. And, um, the, the, there's sort of a, a halo effect that gets created there. There's a brand effect that gets created there. And we want to make sure we're stewarding that to grow thoughtfully. Um, and we, we explore that both with the projects that we work with, but also with the talent that, that we get to, um, collaborate with as well. You said two things that really jumped out to me. Number one is making sure that you're not 
inundating people with information and you're also providing your cohort with vetted groups. And I think that both of those are totally critical because at the end of the day, you don't necessarily want or need every single person's opinion. And you wanna make sure that the opinions that you're getting are not only from talented people, but are talented people that really match up with what your specific needs are. And so when I think more clearly about the collaborators that you're putting together, it really does make so much sense. And for those who aren't familiar, I'm just gonna read this off of their site. Collaborators, this is a group that consists of high leverage members that have a history of supporting Seed Club and its projects via their specific expertise. Much like an advisory board, they get to help projects think through complex challenges and get unstuck. And I think this is critical. It's, it's not enough just to throw bodies at a problem. You want to throw the right people at it. And so kudos to your team for thinking through that in a way that I think is most effective and most efficient. Well, I mean, just think about, you know, you're a founder, you know, going out in, into an even a well-understood world of startups with a lean startup and a billion books that are written about it, like prioritization and figuring out what the right problems to solve and how to solve them best is, and how to do that in an expeditious way, I think is, is a big challenge. And that is just multiplied in web three, where there's a billion ideas, a billion people talk, maybe not, a billion, I mean, maybe there'll eventually be a billion people talking about tens of thousands <laughs> of people talking about it, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands talking of people it. talking. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's be realistic here. Um, but, but also there like so many of the things that might be hot today, uh, are hot, maybe not because they have longevity in them or because they're actually a sound strategy, but they're hot because there's speculative value in them, or there's all these sort of things that can kind of distort what reality is here. And I think, um, the, the by far the best way to help teams sort of navigate that. And, and because so many of these teams are building net new things, right? They're trying to go figure things out. So there isn't like a, a playbook or a framework that you can just borrow and say, this is going to work in this specific instance. And so there's this generative co-creation aspect that, that happens. And so, um, having the inputs matter quite a bit and having inputs that uh, are distracting or that are maybe misaligned can be more detrimental than, than positive for, for builders. And so we want to see people who've you know, done the building, they, they, ha you know, have experience in, in the very specific types of things that, that our teams are actually uh, grappling with. And, and the reality is that is a, a smaller subset of, of human beings. It's, it's far greater than the number of people we're able to actually put to work right now, which I think is, is exciting. Like there's an immense amount of talent and it grows every single day. Um, but you know, our default here is we want to be curated and thoughtful about how we're growing in our network. Um, and, you know, I, I continuously remind our team that it's going to feel like we're moving slower than than many others because we believe that in compounding interest, right? Like the, the value of that we can build today, if we do it right, is going to compound into something really big in the future. Um, and I always have this mental model in my in my mind. I think what we're all we're all fire starters here, right? And in the bull market, there's a ton of paper and a ton of gasoline, and people just kept throwing paper and gasoline on the fire, and it burned real bright, and everybody was standing around it, and people were dancing. Um, you know, uh, the image I have for Seed Club is that we're in the corner cutting up kindling, preparing the wood, lighting a small fire, making sure it's all standing by and dry, and we're just continuously feeding it and making sure that, that fire is going to burn bright. There's strong coals that as the rains start to come and the rains are here, that there's still going to be heat growing there. And so that really is the, the long term, like one of our core, core values is, is building for the long term, um, which is, again, a very difficult thing to do in a world where there's just so much short-term short incentives, but we believe it's like the, the, the right strategic direction to have. I've been in the space since early 2017. I've built through a bear market before. We're going to have many more of those. And so the right people, 
the right, you know, the right projects and builders, um, you know, directed in a way that has a long-term sort of mindset, I think is ultimately going to win out. You know, what's so interesting, Jess, is a lot of people ask me sort of what my plan is for this podcast. And there aren't that many long-term plans, but what I really did want to do when setting out with this is to have more aha moments. And I have to say the kindling example that you just gave me was my aha moment for Seed Club. And it really put like a big smile on my face to hear you say that. And so thank you for that. That was very, very insightful to hear, period. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. I start a lot of fires here. I live in the woods, so. <laughs> True. True, true, true. I heat my house with fire. I'm thinking of this as I'm building, building my Do way. you? Yeah, definitely. Damn, that's what's <laughs> up. Um, I love that. Okay, I've got another seed club question, and then I want to move into DAOs a bit more macro level. How has seed club changed over the past eight months? You know, you're, you're a startup yourself. Were there any theories that you thought you had nailed down, but you realized maybe are not true or just any things that from January till now, you just have totally shifted either mindset on or physically changed about how the DAO is set up? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're evolving all the time and I think we're, you know, not in this finished state by any means. And so there are many, I think like the, the two that come to mind are one, we've seen a big shift in sort of the types of tokens our, our teams are wanting to launch away from maybe it would have been more of a social token with ERC 20 or fungible tokens representing uh, membership in the DAO, especially for these early stage organizations to NFTs being the most useful tool for, for early stage projects. Um, and I think that has, um, you know, a lot of implications on thinking through how you actually structure projects and, and the types of tools and support that they need. And so, um, you know, we went from our, our third cohort where I think 90% were launching ERC twenties into our fourth cohort where 90% were launching NFTs. And, you know, it's a, a strong signal to us that for bringing people together, aligning cultural and, and brand intent around those, around that project. And, um, through, you know, having some, uh, maybe a bit more of a repeatable business model where revenue can come into a treasury and there's royalties that kind of come from it is, is better suited for these early stage projects and, and leaves a lot of op optionality in the future where, you know, teams, should they hit, hit community market fit and sort of build something meaningful and need to have more discrete ways of, of rewarding value, have the option of airdropping ERC twenties or, or sort of extending their, their token uh, model into the future. So I think that takes away a lot of uncertainty for early stage projects, allows them to get into market, allows them to distribute ownership and to have people having that emotional bond and an on-chain bond with, with projects without having to figure out their foundation structure and legal structure and et cetera, et cetera. So that's one. Um, I think that the second one, which is maybe related is just how, how much structure is required to be able to work in a, uh, a flat or in a self-managed way. And so I think a lot of, you know, early DAO projects were sort of like, Hey, we're going to go do this thing. We're going to bring people in and we're going to go figure it out, which I think is wonderful that we did that. Right. It got so so many balls moving. There's far more DAOs that exist in the world today than, than before. And, and because it was so easy to go do that's, I think that's a, a net positive. Um, but when you're actually trying to bring people together in a focused direction, people who have families who want to pay their bills, you know, making sure that we're actually stewarding funds effectively, that we're making decisions on what to work on, um, figuring out how to work and move those things forward is, is, you know, it's a, a big challenge for any organization. And I think, uh, approaching that without structure is, uh, 
well, it just leads to a lot of uh, pain and suffering in, in very real terms. And so, you know, C Club had to go through our own growth um, and, and learning in that. All of our projects do that as well. And I think what was most notable to me is just how much more structure. You know, we always assumed that we were approaching this with structure. Um, you know, we, we were very much not trying to be just a, a completely open, permissive, flat organization. We had working groups and stewards of these working groups and they had goals. Um, but the constant learning for me over the last eight months was that you always need more structure than you think. And I think that actually extends into how you actually get broader community participation in these, in these DAOs as well. And even from my answer earlier around, you know, collaborators and how do we actually tie into that, that wider talent network that exists within C club, you know, we, we, uh, want to make sure that we're building meaningful structures that make it clear for how people can participate, how they get value, how they create value. And, and that having a really clear thesis and, and set of, processes and tools to engage that type of work is absolutely essential to value both the time of these brilliant human beings that want to be a part of C club and the time of the projects that we're ultimately supporting. And that model needs to exist across any of the different initiatives that an organization's undertaking. So, you know, we have a, a quarterly planning process, we have stewards and understanding of their responsibility. And, and while they're not, you know, there's no CEO and there's no manager, they have a responsibility to help support the work that's being done in their work stream. Uh, we have, you know, an accounting uh, stream who's doing financial reports and helping us manage our burn. Um, all these things that, you know, look very traditional organization wise, I think are incredibly important uh, and maybe even more so important where we can't just sort of lean back on what the CEO or what the, the founder has to say. We need to think ahead and think about what are the tools that we actually need to, and structures we need to put into place to allow far more talent to come in and for that talent to know how to create value, what the norms are, um, and, and to how to participate. Um, cause I think one of the biggest, you know, misdirections I think that exists in the space right now is there's a lot of effort around DAO onboarding, which is generally like, how do we get people into the organization? Um, we've never had that problem at C club. We always had lots of people that want to be in the organization. Our problem is, well, how do you actually put people to work in an effective way? And that becomes a lot more challenging And the early methods of bounties or of just sort of like get more people into the discord. They don't actually drive useful, valuable contributions. Somebody retweeting something on C Club is, is, I love it, I appreciate it, but it's very low value compared to somebody joining and supporting one of our projects or somebody seeing a, a, a gap in our operations and stepping in and filling it. So we need to have more structure to actually enable the high value contributions. You know, somebody like yourself who has a ton of experience in building things, um, you know, while, while you, you know, as an entrepreneur, you probably are going to be able to find ways to participate. Our job should be to make that path from insight opportunity to creating value uh, as seamless as possible and you know biting off small pieces to go in and tackle that i think is the only way to really do that effectively otherwise we're going to have brilliant people come in flail around a bunch and be like yo this is not for me and dows are, are, are not going to work and i think the work we have to do yeah. as, an, as an organization right now is around that i think jess what you're saying it really is profound and you know, as we said off camera, I would not consider myself to be a DAO maxi. In, in fact, I'm still really trying to figure out where DAOs will fit into the world as we move forward. But the way you talk about contributors and how to get people involved, that is something I do think a lot about where, you know, the reality is you do need to be a self-starter. But at the same time, when you do enter into a DAO to try to support you do want to make sure that you know where your energy should be directed. 
because otherwise you can find yourself just sort of spinning wheels if you don't really know exactly where you're needed. And then it just becomes 100%. almost too much energy. There, there's this massive amount of information asymmetry that exists in these organizations. And it's a, a huge barrier to, you know, uh, to, to broader participation. You know, if, if somebody is investing all their heartbeats and time and effort into running an organization, they are, uh, far more in the know and in the loop and understand the priorities and, and the dynamics that exist there and making that visible to people who are part-time or wanting to be more casual contributors is, is a big challenge. And that's where I think structure starts to, to play a big role. Um, you know, you want to make sure that people are, are, you know, I as a participant in a network want to know that my time and effort is being valued and creating value and, um, nothing sort of undermines that more than coming in and, and doing work that, you know, just isn't impactful. Um, and I think on the flip side, these organizations need that structure so that we are become good stewards of funds. You know, like there's, it's very easy to say yes to things through the current DAO proposal process. And it's much more difficult to say no, you know, there's this ton of inertia that kind of goes to, to like, so what are DAOs good at? They're good at forming capital and they're okay at distributing that capital, but the how and mm. how to ensure that that capital is being distributed in a way that actually creates value towards some goal is, um, you know, a, a more challenging thing and, um, doing that in sort of the broad public square can be, a, you know, a, a whole job in and of itself. I want to double tap on two things. Number one is organization and structure. This is something that is ongoing, especially when it comes to DAOs. Something that I do want to shout out about the seed club DAO is while I'm assuming you continuously update it, your community playbook is very robust. Um, and as I was trying to learn more about Seed Club, I thoroughly enjoyed going through your community playbook, and I'm sure that took a lot of time to put together. And so anyone who is interested in either learning about Seed Club or wants to create their own DAO and see how they're put together and, and learn more about token distribution and learn more about different groups, I highly recommend you take a look at the Seed Club community playbook. That's number one. Number two is I want to be a little selfish and I want to double tap into you explained earlier that now there are more DAOs that are creating non-fungible tokens versus fungible tokens. Some of the examples that you gave are royalties, airdrops, as well as an emotional bond. And I'm assuming an emotional mm -hmm. bond, meaning like the actual artwork in itself. Are there other reasons why you're seeing DAOs working and creating non-fungible tokens versus fungible tokens? When you start a, a DAO or a community, like uh, one of the big decisions needs to be around um, how are you distributing membership or ownership in these communities? And, and, and ultimately, when do you want to have liquidity on those tokens? And so for you know, our general recommendation is that we want teams to come together, make sure there's a there there, start to recognize participation as early as possible with this um, with these digital assets because the emotional part there is like if i give you a you know if i give you club tokens because you've joined c club there there's a it it means something there's a feeling there there's an appreciation there i feel like i, I am an owner i have a a deeper bond to this community and i think that is one of the most powerful flywheels that we have here right we talked earlier about ownership and networks well, that, we can represent that early on, but there's a, a bigger question of like, well, what is the right token model for us to use? Should those tokens be transferable so they can be sold? Should there be a liquidity pool? There's a whole host of, of open questions. And you know, those questions still persist when you think, regardless of whether you're thinking about a fungible token or a non-fungible token, but what NFTs do is they sort of simplify that a little bit. So one, if, if, if your focus is to have liquidity on your token, um, 
setting up a Uniswap pool and it requires capital and management and a level of, of, of effort that might be best directed at you know, building your community or creating, building your software or whatever the thing you're ultimately building in. And so NFTs, while they are not super liquid, you know, they are easily bought and sold on marketplaces like OpenSea. And so there's some semi-liquidity that exists there that allows people to both purchase to participate and also for members who maybe are no longer interested in participating to sell their tokens and, and move on to the next thing. So I think it lowers the barrier and in, in, in difficulty in actually creating liquidity around a token. Now, again, it's a decision of whether you want to do that or not, but for those teams that do want to do it, it's more helpful. Um, two, I think there's like a, a selling sort of a, a collectible um, or membership passes are, are um, a good way to build a treasury that can be governed by token holders. And so if you think about with fungible tokens, um, that the selling of tokens to investors very much feels like ICOs. There's a lot of legal risks that are associated with that. Um, NFTs provide some pathways that arguably have less legal risk, right? So if you're selling membership cards to participate in, in a community, you're buying subscriptions, you're buying a, a digital collectible that represents uh, participation in these entities, uh, the ability for an organization to go out and sell those NFTs and, and um, capitalize a treasury that then token holders can have some governance over uh, is a lot more direct um, and, and using NFTs. And we can look at NounsDAO as a, as a really great example of this, right? You you, you bid on a nouns DAO uh, auction on a, one of their daily auctions, you win the, the NFT, your ETH that you've just spent goes right into the treasury of which you now have a vote over. Very digitally native organization, really direct way of building treasury. So you have shared resources and a way of having ownership or governance over that. Um, and of course, you know, NFTs can have royalties baked in. And so there can be, if there's speculation or trading that happens on these tokens, the community can benefit from that as well. If there's a 10% royalty that goes to the community treasury, there's this sort of ongoing drip of, of revenue that can come in, which can be quite substantial for the most popular collections, or it can just be a nice bonus to have for, for those that are maybe in an earlier growth phase. Um, and then of course, yeah, the, you know, if, structured well with meaningful art that sort of represents the brand and the vibe and and sort of the connection to this community that's being built um that cultural aspect can be uh, far more powerful and i think you know jacob horn from zora who's a big nouns down max he likes to compare to to you know i guess there's this argument that what is valuable in web3 is the meme or the the, the brand in some ways so you can think about nouns dow and uniswap as two examples um and he, he gave me this example where he's like well imagine nouns dow puts a 100 foot tall pair of glasses in the middle of towns times square and uniswap puts a 100 foot tall unicorn in the middle of towns times square which tokens do you think would see an appreciation in, or more of an appreciation in value based on that brand marketing the erc20 from from uniswap or the nft from nouns dow and i don't know why but i think my intuition is that the nouns dow does a, and the nfts that represent ownership in the nouns dow is a far better representation of the brand and the meme and, and what people are buying into when they see the growth in that brand than what an erc20 which would be maybe you have more of a, a desire to do some sort of discounted cash flow modeling on it or but at the reality both of them represent the same thing their governance over a shared treasury and so i think there is you know some insight here that we're still trying to you know it often gets described as provenance or ownership and provenance, but but there's sort of like a, a realization here that, you know, maybe it isn't utility tokens, maybe governance tokens, you know, are, are useful, but maybe it's the, the governance plus a meme that ultimately creates value in, in Web3. And I think NFTs can sort of nudge at that a little bit more. When I own an NFT, I do not own ownership in a company. You just own that NFT versus I feel like when you own a fungible token, you actually do own membership in whatever that organization is. A, is that correct? And B, 
are we going to start seeing more legislation around NFTs allowing for being actual ownership and equity in an organization? No token represents ownership in an organization in the, in the purest sense, in the way that owning equity in an organization, you know, would, right? And so when we're looking at a Uniswap tokens, Uniswap tokens and, and nouns now tokens are represent the same thing. You have a vote over what happens within this DAO, essentially, or within this network. And so, um, you know, the, the entire space is just yearning for better clarity around legislation and, and, and regulations that will allow these types of own, you know, networks to actually persist. And ideally, we get to a place where we can be more direct and say, you know, what we, we want to have ownership in networks, tokens represent it. Here's the reporting criteria and the way to go about doing that. It doesn't exist today. And so what you end up with is these sort of governance tokens that have no financial claim. They have they have no rights other than to be a vote in the governance process of a Uniswap or of a Convex or of uh, of a Nouns DAO. And so those are the, the exact same things. Now, you know, thinking through how you, you know, the beautiful thing about tokens is you can make them do whatever, right? And so you can make an NFT be a security, you can make an ERC-20 be a security. Ideally, we can make both of them not be a security. I think it's still TBD on, on that. And so with NFTs, you can have NFTs that purely represent you know, one ten-thousandth of the collection that give you no governance rights. There's no shared treasury. I think what we're most excited about in the DAO movement is that NFTs can be a way of populating a treasury that then an NFT holder has a governance right over and that the opportunity for bringing all these collectors together and members together to share resources both social and financial capital to achieve a big vision is a big opportunity. And so how you actually structure them, you know, is, is, uh, you know, there's a number of experiments that are out there in the space. I think you need to think through ownership and governance and, and how finances are being used. Um, but I think it's an exciting thread to pull on. And, and without a doubt, we're seeing a number of DAOs that have launched as ERC with ERC twenties move to NFTs because it simplifies their governance or more tightly aligns members with the, the mission of the organization. And I think we'll see, especially for the earliest stages of companies that NFTs with their smaller collection numbers and maybe a simpler form of actually generating revenue into a treasury are, are going to be seen as a, a popular model moving forward. But I think the reality is we're going to see a mixture of these types. So if you look at, at Board API Club, while this is not a good example of digital of a digital native organization, since they have an equity holding entity, what they have done is run a very clear playbook where they launched a 10K collection, then they want, launched two derivatives on those collections, and then they dropped an ERC-20 on top, the ape coin that sort of uh, further capitalized and provided resources to the ecosystem. And so I think we'll see smaller versions of that play out in earlier stage companies and or, or earlier stage DAOs. And I think um, there's a multitude of other directions teams can go, but we've seen it in the market. We've seen it work to a degree. Teams are going to come in and build off of that. They're going to build off of Nouns DAO. They're going to build off of some of the stuff we're doing at C Club and, and Gitcoin and all these other experiments that are running. And I think um, that's really the exciting work that we get to be a part of with our early stage communities is thinking through like, you know, it's, there's no clear framework. What are you trying to achieve? What are the best tools for us to put in place to help you achieve that while also maintaining a lot of optionality because the space moves so fast. I want to die a few more questions and then, uh, he's I'll like, I want to keep this to 35 is, minutes. Uh, and I'm like, good luck. I talk, baby. I Let's know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Good luck. No fast forwards. Well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying this. So there are no fast forwards. Anyone who's listening to this, I know you have not fast forwarded yet. Okay. Case studies, you see time and time again where a token is just not needed. Is there anything that comes to mind? And I'll just throw this out there. Is I know a basketball group that is formed as a DAO and you have to purchase tokens to be able to play. 
And that to me always felt a little weird just given the volatility around like the price of the token. And I didn't really understand why that sports league really needed to have their own token and why they couldn't just be a normal social club. So my question to you there is, do you see case studies where you just think a token isn't needed? And on the example of the sports league being a DAO, do you want to push back on me at all and say, well, actually, Dylan, like, here's why that is necessary? Listen, I think most communities shouldn't have a token. It should, you know, this is a, a new adventure that you're going on if you're trying to distribute, you know, governance and ownership and membership in these in these entities. And it's a big undertaking because, as you're saying, like, people are putting their capital on the line here, right? And if you somebody just bought in at something's worth $2,000 and all of a sudden it crashes to $100, you're going to have some fairly unhappy people. And so being measured and thoughtful, building the small kindling base fire rather than the, the roaring bonfire, I think is, is the right way to approach, you know, launching a token for a community. And and very much there should be a question of whether it even makes sense to, to do a token. I think that the design space is actually very, very wide. And so it's more of like a philosophical or, or a vision um, decision rather than a you know, should a token work here or not? Because I think there's so many different token models that teams could go and, and engage in that, you know, uh, in your specific example with, with regards to the, the sports league, you know, a volatile fungible token that has a small liquidity pool that creates a ton of different, you know, uh, volatility in that price, probably not useful for the core mission that, that that entity has, which is get people to come play, find the right people to come play, make sure that there's some sort of shared value that exists there. But you could imagine a membership token um, or NFT being a more useful thing where people are just saying, I'm going to put $200 on the line. I'm going to signal that I'm a part of this. I don't really care if it goes up or not. I just want to be able to, to show that I'm a part of this. And if this turns into the next NBA, cool. I'm sure that my token will have some more value in the future. So I, I, I don't, you know, we at C Club, we don't do any business development. I'm not out there. None of our team is out there trying to convince anybody to launch a token. It is a weird, difficult you know, honestly risky thing to go do on multiple facets. And so we want teams that are doing it because they see this as the best way and uh, to go solve a big problem that exists in the internet, which is that the people who are creating value on platforms and on and these networks are not actually capturing that value in a direct way. And if, if four teams that are aligned with that, they, the, the idea of, and the design space of thinking through how to actually build and evolve a token model to actually support the the uh, interactions that are creating value in that network is a very worthwhile, difficult thing to go pursue. Uh, but we've just come through this wave of a lot of fast followers, people who are just launching NFT projects or tokens and just throwing it out there. And there's a ton of money. And this is another example of, I think, the way the market shows really short-term signals that are just not useful long-term, right? And so how you go do these things matters quite a bit. And the reality is, we don't know how to do these things well. As I said, there isn't a framework that we can just go and say, here, go run this playbook. And so we're constantly in the process of figuring out what the right models are. New tools are being built, more new infrastructure is being built, new consumer behaviors are being built. And so we want to build these things with good intentions for the long term with a lot of optionality baked in because the world changes very quickly in Web3. I appreciate that so much and I mostly appreciate the transparency because I do sit at my desk sometimes thinking to myself like am I just being fucking crazy and I'm not understanding the bigger picture but then there are times when I hear what you just said and and you are an expert in the field saying hey you know what maybe it just isn't necessary and it does really not only help reinforce things that I have been thinking but it also does teach me new things and so I think on that note 
Jess, this has been an absolute pleasure. I have thoroughly enjoyed meeting you and hearing you and learning about your POV and what you're building at Seed Club. And so I just want to say thank you so much I for joining. I appreciate the, the conversation. Yeah, some good questions. I don't. It's strange I don't talk about Seed Club as much as, as I might think I do. I, I spend most of my time podcasting. So I, I do have my own podcast at, through Seed Club called The Club Podcast where we get into you know, these edge conversations with people who, who make up our collaborator network and who are building crazy things on the edges. And so uh, I'm usually in your seat asking those questions. And it's been a while since I've sat down and tried to explain the basics of Seed Club. And I'm always just amazed at how far and how much evolution sort of happens over the course of a month or multiple months. And Seed Club's been around for two years, or I think our two-year anniversary of the Telegram group that spun up was on, on Saturday. And the world looks so different today than it looks two years ago. And I, I just get really excited about thinking about the future where there are, we've done a hundred cohorts and there are thousands of projects that C clubs had an impact on. And the broader ecosystem is just even far greater than that. So there's a, you know, for folks that are sitting here through market turmoil and bear market and all this sort of stuff, I've been there. If you have conviction in this space, if you believe that ownership and networks is important, um, that creators should be able to see you know, ownership and the value they create on the internet. There's no better time to join and be a part of this space. It's going to feel weird for a little while, but it will be, you know, you're going to look up back on it and it's going to look fairly inevitable. So time to build. Thank you again, Jess. I appreciate it. And final sign off. And I actually do want to stay on off record a few minutes and chat with you, but why don't you tell everyone where we could find you? Seedclub.xyz is our, our website or seedclubhq on Twitter. You can sign up for a newsletter or find our, our access to our Discord there. There's a ton of links and descriptions on how you can get involved. Just holding 10 club tokens makes you a member and you can join our governance calls and, and updates and sort of see the more inner workings of, of what we're doing as well as sort of help us choose uh, our next cohort, though that window just ended. Uh, so invite people to go do that. And yeah, I'm, I'm that tall guy on Twitter. You know, it doesn't come through on these Zoom calls, but I stand behind that username. He's tall. He's tall as fuck. I, I overheard how tall he was on another podcast. He's tall. So got to join the I, basketball uh, league, baby. It. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it. He's tall. Appreciate True. It, Dylan. This was awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much again. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time.